0: A week or so ago a transformer blew here in the neighborhood and about 900 homes as well as the church lost power for about three hours and we were all walking up and down the halls of the church trying to figure out what to do we had meetings scheduled multiple meetings for that evening here at the church along with an interview team conducting Skype interviews with some various candidates for open positions And all of a sudden, we were paralyzed. We couldn't call anyone or email anyone or figure out how long we would be out of commission. Three whole hours of frustration. Three hours. And yet, they are saying that our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico may be without power for four to six months I was able to hop in my car and run home and charge up all my devices and make a few phone calls to reschedule the meetings, and yet they are on an island where no one can get in a truck and load up supplies and volunteers and come rushing in. Plus, many of those living on the island were already living below the poverty line to begin with, so how will they endure? It is enough to make you wonder about a benevolent God. Mike Schaefer, a member of our congregation and a member of our church board, just returned from two weeks in Houston where he volunteered with all hands one of the relief agencies that FEMA has called in to begin the cleanup and the rebuilding of homes. Mike worked in one home where a severely handicapped child confined to a wheelchair lives with his mother, and even after several weeks of work, Their home is not yet safe for their return, and it will be at least several more weeks. And Mike saw homes that were literally built in floodplains or drainage areas. If you have a chance to ask Mike about his work, he will share more stories, and you will get a chance to thank him for that good work. And then we will stop and ponder that thousands of people Are wondering how they will survive Harvey and Irma and Maria our thoughts drift to why it was built this way so carelessly and we hear the voices of the scientists reminding us that we were warned that climate change means warmer ocean waters which inevitably brings intense hurricanes it is easy for us to slip into blaming as they did in the time of ezekiel blaming those generations who have gone before us sometimes the pain of life is so brutal so unexplainable that we even begin to shout at god our friend jane married bob when she was about 40 years old it was the first marriage for both of them He was the man she had always dreamed about. They formed the most beautiful life together, traveling, playing bridge, playing golf, inviting the nieces and nephews over for holidays. And then Bob died of a heart attack way too young, and Jane quickly became bitter and angry. She thought Bob was such a great, kind man, and he's gone And yet there are people, other folks, who are mean and vindictive, happily walking around enjoying this life. It doesn't make sense, she thought. Why would God rob her of the only real love she had ever known? Why was she left behind to wither away in loneliness in her apartment with only her furry cat to keep her company? She had more than enough money, but no one to share it with she argued with god daily accusing god of not caring until she finally gave up on god if god is love then god must not exist the prophet ezekiel writes to those whose hearts have been broken and bruised and left wondering life has not been kind to them in the year 587 bc the temple in jerusalem falls and thousands of god's faithful ones are deported from back to babylon to live as captives in a foreign land the very fabric of their life has been torn think of it a scholar with tenure teaching at the university of jerusalem is suddenly working as a custodian at the elementary school in Babylon the brothers who ran the first National Bank of Jerusalem have had their assets frozen by the government the women who ran the prayer group in Jerusalem are now afraid to even hum the familiar tunes of the prayer songs for fear of religious persecution the people are devastated on a national level and as a faith community The political and religious fighting takes a personal toll as well. And we hear that famous song from the Psalms, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It's a haunting faith crisis and a questioning about God's power and God's love. Is it real? There are people who share these same sentiments in our world today. Six million folks live as refugees at this very moment around the globe. Political polarization in our own country is causing rifts even within families. Our national pastime of football, which we think of as a time to just veg out, relax, and experience the solidarity with fellow sports fans, has now revealed the fracture in our populace to stand or to kneel where is the god of peace and harmony and love and joy well rather than shush the argument with god under the rug the prophet ezekiel narrates this argument with god and the people in great detail it goes on for many more verses than what we read this morning god says this The people say that. It's our parents' fault, they say. No, it's yours, says God. The argument exposes the raw pain of their honest dialogue with God, of their longing to have an authentic faith, a sincere faith. You're just unfair, they say to God. No, says God, you are stubborn and stuck in your ways. It's like a tennis match where you just keep watching the volley go back and forth, an unending volley. Sometimes the argument with God endures for years. We hold it quietly in our own hearts, and no one knows about it except us and God amy is a lutheran pastor she wrote in the christian century about getting a call one day to hurry over to the hospital to see earl earl was dying and wanted to see his pastor amy amy knew earl quite well she had just buried his wife betty six months prior when she arrived earl's daughter slipped out of the hospital room so that she could talk privately with him Earl was propped up on some pillows. His eyes were glassy, but alert. Amy pulled up a chair next to his bed, and she sat down, noticing his tears. Then Earl spoke. I need forgiveness, but I can't get it. Amy reassured him, stroking his hand, telling him that forgiveness is a gift from God, and it's always available at every moment. No, no earl shook his head no i need forgiveness from betty i missed my chance to say i'm sorry and make it up to betty what if she's mad at me when i see her in heaven pastor amy was at a loss for words silence fell over them then amy just kind of wondered out loud Perhaps we could imagine Betty here in this room, and you could just confess what's on your mind and you could ask for God's forgiveness. Earl shifted his gaze from Amy's face to that vacant corner over in the edge of the room. Can you see her? asked Amy. Earl nodded. What would you like to say? A gush of words poured forth from Earl, cataloging his regrets and missteps in their life together, moments of shame, missed opportunities to do right by her, and words he regretted uttering. I'm so sorry. Amy assured Earl that God forgave him and that maybe he and Betty would have a little work to do on their relationship in the future she left the hospital and in just a few hours earl died having argued with betty and with god for years earl finally let down his guard and spoke the truth he spoke of his own brokenness sadness and pain he named before god the inadequacy of his own heart this is the only way i know for us to gain a new heart and a new spirit to finally tell god that our hearts are not enough the prophet says repent which simply means to turn back to god to repent is to admit that we need god maybe Arguing with God is not sacrilegious after all. Maybe until we argue with God, honestly sharing our doubts, our questions, our frustrations, only then can we summon the courage to tell God that we alone do not have enough love to make it through. Somehow in this life, we have developed a tendency to protect our hearts with Teflon, not letting anyone glimpse into our souls, not even God. Recently, the Moth Radio Hour had a series of stories about various professionals following a particular call, a firefighter, for example, and a writer and a doctor, stories about how life unfolded and these were nudged into a particular vocation Vivian is a Chinese American woman who grew up in a very patriarchal family system her father told her that she had it good and she should be grateful because her grandmother's feet were bound in China but she listened as her aunts favored all the nephews over the girls Vivian dreamed of becoming a doctor where she thought she could level the playing field between men and women and reduce the sexism in our world. She did become a doctor and was working with Doctors Without Borders. She was assigned to Syria where she was working in a makeshift medical clinic set up in an abandoned chicken farm. One day, a man came in with shrapnel embedded she walked up to him and said in arabic are you in pain he would not look at her and he did not answer her arabic was not perfect so she tried again are you in pain this time he answered in clear english cover your head she was already covered from the neck down she fumed in anger she walked away from him trying to regain her composure she left the room she wanted desperately to walk away from this patient and just let him suffer if he was in pain but she was called to be a doctor and she realized that this man believed so strongly in his own religion that he would lie there suffering in pain refusing the care that he needed in order to stay true to his religion. His religion was everything to him. She realized that she loved medicine so much, and practicing medicine came before her identity as being a woman. Being a doctor to her was everything. A doctor first, she said, and then a woman. And then she decided to meet him, exactly where he was. She took a scarf, and she wrapped it around her head, and she covered her hair, and she returned to the room and administered the pain meds to the wounded patient. She placed him carefully on an ambulance so that he could get the emergency care he needed. This was her calling. Arguing, you see, might be the doorway to truth for when we take god seriously we expose the vulnerability of our own fractured lives and once broken open god's heart and god's spirit transforms ours